Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. Johnniversary. And today we are looking at a review of Reavers of Midgard. Then we're going to be doing our top five hoot and holler games. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us for episode number 27, our one year anniversary. Residents of Meeple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean with his cone party hat, his party pants on, and oh yeah! It is our one year anniversary! Oh, that yeah. has to be the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> Everyone's uh. like, seriously? Anyone new to the show is going to be like, I'm never listening to these guys again. What do you think, Dean? <laughs> Yeah, that's probably that's right. I'm cutting it off. This la <laughs> this this podcast trial lasted 15 seconds into their first episode. I'm done with these guys. But you know what? Who cares? One year I, anniversary. It's our one year anniversary, right? Even if no one listens to us, we've we've done this. We'll for listen a year. to ourselves. That's right. That's right. We know that we will always get at least two listens to our podcast, right? You listen to all of them? I don't. <laughs> oh, you? Oh, well, oh. I mean, I edit them, so like. I don't. I don't always listen to the downloaded version of it, so I'm skewing our numbers right wow. now. So we're at a, we average about one and a half an episode. I think is what we're one what and we're a half. <laughs> one, one and a half downloads an episode. <laughs> oh my goodness! One year ago, Dean, we started the Meeple Town podcast. How did you think we would be here? Did you? Oh. Were, you were you all in? Oh, like... I thought it, I thought we'd be here. That's right. <laughs> I don't know where. Face. I don't know where we are. What? Like, like I'm saying, this did you later? think we would? Did you know we would continue it, no problem, for a year, and it would be nothing? Did you ever have any? Have you ever had any doubts about our relationship? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're really asking? That's all I really yeah. care about. <laughs> Podcast, no. Our relationship, maybe. All right. Yeah. Me, hey, me neither. Uh, except for our relationship, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. I've never had any doubts, Dean. Yeah, J.K. Me I've always been. I've, I've never. This has been such a fun year. I'd never want to stop getting off this party train. It is fun. I, I've really, all joking aside, I really have enjoyed this a lot. It's it's fun just talking about board games, and we've we've connected with some new people. Oh yeah, yeah so many new people. It's been a blast. It is. You guys have been awesome out there, Meeple Town. It's been cool talking to you on the guild and and all that kind of stuff. Now I, I like doing our YouTube videos, but I really like the podcast because you can just kind of let your hair hang down. That's right. If you had, yeah. I don't. <laughs> Was that a shot at me losing my hair as I get older? No, I thought that you were going to say something about that. No, you're right. The way it's... you were looking at me, Dean has plenty of hair. You have plenty of hair. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The podcast is, is you're absolutely right. Like, we can just get on here and talk about a bunch of nonsense. Whereas you two, we have to be a little more concise about what we do. And um, so for your sake, listeners, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but for John and I... It's enjoyable just to get on here and talk about nonsense. Oh, it is. It is. So let's talk about something that uh, we're excited about. We have finally, one year into our anniversary, launched our Meeple Town website. Yeah, How about we have. That, How about it? How about it? Website. Oh, I don't have my party <laughs> Actually, I was delayed because it took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Yeah, the website is is ready to go. We still have a few things that we got to do on there, um, but but we're going to go ahead and launch it, and we'll just kind of keep up with things up with as it. we go. Yeah. So if you go to MeepleTownGames.com, you can go on there. Um, we're going to have we have a 
a tab with all of our video video reviews, which you can get to through um, YouTube, but maybe it's a little bit simpler. It's going to be MeepleTownGames.com. All of our podcast episodes are online if you want to you know, stream there instead of go to MeepleTown.Podbean.com or whatever if you're doing the online stuff. Um, I do mine through iTunes, but some folks like to stream, especially when they're at work. You know That's what I'm right. saying? That's right. Um, <clears throat> then we also, Dean has beautifully, not added all of them yet, but we're getting there, is adding all of our game ratings so everything on YouTube, everything on this podcast. So if you're a podcast listener but don't get on YouTube very much and you're curious as to you know what we gave, I'm just trying to think of some games that we hadn't talked about on the podcast here. That Most of these have been some of the podcast ones here. Um, but anyways, that we gave YouTube, like Dinosaur Island. What is our rating on Dinosaur Island? I'm seeing that right here. Eight. But you just went ahead, you spilled, no, we have, <laughs> Dean, we have to give them something to go to the website for. I've just gone, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm more than halfway through now, I think, but one, this has taken a really long time to, to get all those on the table. Because Dean's also adding links, so if you want to go watch the video right. or hear that part, of, or hear the podcast that that's on, so that takes a while to do all that. It does, but you know, I've, I've. It's been kind of cool because I get to go back and look at all of our ratings and think, um, you know, think back on our conversations that we had about these different games. And the one thing that we really wanted to, um, besides just having a kind of a centralized place for our website, is uh, with this table specifically, is that you can sort them by, uh, you know, you can sort them by the ratings. And so you can actually even sort them by our average. And so you can say, what is the game that Dean and John collectively rate the highest? And yeah, you can go on and cool. look. I don't have the answer to that because I don't have them all up there yet. I can make some guesses. What well, do you think? Um, I actually already did it. But <laughs> the, the, the sad thing is, is it brings up the uh, not applicable uh, for some of the ones first. Oh, right. Because some of them are, uh, you haven't rated. That's right. But do you, want, do you want me to say what our number one average? So we have three games that are averaged at nine and a half. Let me guess first. Yep, get, guess. Well... Okay, I don't, I don't know if I have an answer actually because you said three at nine and a half. There were three at nine and a half out of ten. Tapestry. Yeah. Uh, Everdell. Yeah. And oh boy, uh, not Gentis. It's not. That's up there though. Is it, it, let me give you a little bit of a hint. No. Um, Imperial <laughs> Imperial Settlers Empires nope. of the North nailed nope. it. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, give me a hint. Uh, it's a classic. It was from it was a Meeple Town Museum episode. Oh, uh, Terraforming Mars. Yeah. Okay. Terraforming Mars. Oh, yeah. You get that a 10, I think, right? I did. Yeah. I, lo- I really enjoy Terraforming Mars. So, yeah. So, there you go. That'll give you a little bit. Oh, also... You can play that game, too, at home. <laughs> you can play it, yes. Um, also, we have Meeple Town Swag. Swag time. I just got a picture of John Ralphio in my... Stuff mind. we all get. Yeah. So, if you want uh, Meeple Town shirts... We have some Evil Town resident shirts, some Evil Town logo shirts, a couple hoodies. Dean Dean wears. His, I'm wearing uh, one right now. Actually, yeah, he wears his heavy hoodie. I like a light hoodie, and I love I love my li- like seriously. I don't care what it said on the front. Actually, I do care what it said. <laughs> the light hoodie is so comfortable. Like I just like to wear it around the house. It's amazing. Anyways, there we go. So anyway. you can also wear. Meeple Town swag around the house. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it's it, if you want Meeple Town swag, that's awesome, and it helps us too. Because honestly, we don't make no money with this. Not a dime. It, we, we spend we, a we lot. Get some, we get free games. <laughs> that's true. Sometimes, um, but there's also times where we get rejected when we ask for a free game, and we we spend plenty of our own money. So um, it would actually help us to be able to get more games to rate and stuff. So that any anyway, just want to say that would be helpful too. So you can do that. You can contact us on that site. So just go to MeepleTownGames.com and just check it out. That would be. Uh, Pretty sweet. Let's do a poll. 
Let's do a poll. All right, so ba- this is based on our last episode, y'all, when Dee and I kind of went on this conversation about do most people want, or maybe not most people, what if, what do if folks want? Do they want games that have miniatures at higher prices? We've actually been talking about this kind of stuff really since Tapestry came out. It started this kind of conversation. And so I asked the question that I think Dean mentioned on the last podcast and said, hey, we should ask this question. So I asked the question. And it is, um, typically, would you rather pay 40 bucks for a cardboard meeple game or 80 bucks for miniatures and deluxe components? So, Dean... I purposefully did not look at this poll because this was one of the ones I was more intrigued by, I think, just because because John and I are so different in this. Like, yes. for me, I love... If you listen to the show, you know that I love components. I'm that guy who would go... How would you, would you say the 80... I think so. It's it really is a case by case basis, but if it's like a, a significant difference, then yeah, I would go eighty. I, I would always go for the nicer components. I I make no qualms about the fact that I'm a super shallow person when it comes to components. And you you really get into them. I do. Shallow. Yeah, I like and I and I like to upgrade games too. Yeah. So. Oh, I know. Yeah, and you like to paint, and you like to you have a three D printer. Right. You do all that stuff. Right. Yeah, I like to do all that stuff. So, what does Meeple Town think? I think Meeple Town agrees with you on this one. That would be my guess. The Meeples and Cardboard at $40? Yeah. That is correct. That is correct. I would say it's probably pretty high, too. Like, uh, I, I think yes. it's significantly higher. Guess what percentage out of 100? There's only two. You have two options on there? Two options. I would say uh, 65%. 75%. <laughs> Which one is it, Dean? Split the difference, 70%. 72%? Really? Yeah, oh, good, yes. nailed it. So 72% yeah. of Meeple Town said they'd rather just go with the Meeples and Cardboard for 40 bucks rather than spend that deluxe. You know, that's interesting. And, you know, I know this is just Meeple Town. This isn't everybody out there. I mean, there's a lot of other folks. Um, but even the some of the comments that are made here, I think that a lot of people... And some of them do like deluxe versions. And I I think that the question is hard, too, because some people are going to answer, if it's a top 10 game for me, I'm going to pay the 80 bucks. Or if it's even a top 50 game, maybe. But if it's not, then no, I don't want to pay 80 bucks for every game or whatever. But the majority of people are saying, you know what? I'd rather... And I was thinking about this whenever, like, Paladins of the West Kingdom came out versus, like, Tapestry. Mm -hmm. Like, Paladins, Raiders of the North Sea, those are 40-something dollar games. Right. And I just, I wonder, I've wondered, again, I'm all about Jamie doing whatever he wants to do, 100% is his own company. I just wonder if, if some of this more deluxe, and it's not just Jamie, there's a ton of games that are doing this, that are costing $70, $80, Right. I wonder if they're, you know, pricing them out of a lot of people buying some of their games. You know, we, I, I think okay we, we go back, that. yeah, we go back to exactly that tapestry talk. Well, of I would say, of course, you'll price some people out. Yeah. But you got to figure out what's going to make the company the most money. And I, you know, you look at Stonemaier and you got to think, man, they're selling out of their games so. Oh, they're fast. doing an awesome job. Tapestry yeah. Wingspan's a good example of that. Which I wouldn't say Wingspan. Well, Wingspan's is more of the forty dollars though, because that's I think that's it's under fifty bucks. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I felt like MSRP was like sixty. I might be wrong about that. It may be MSRP, but I was, I was thinking, whenever I wrote it, I wasn't thinking MSRP. Just was, whatever, yeah. Yeah, because MSRP, it would be like actually 30 bucks or something. Um, so on BoardGamePrices.com, uh, go ahead and you can finish your thought while. Yeah, I just think that, yes, you will price some people out, but I think 
there are a lot of people that are like me. You that still can't rather... buy wingspan. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that yesterday. Actually, uh, you could. I think there was a small window where you could have. But I think yeah. I paid like forty five dollars for my copy. But I, th- I think, I think there are a lot of people that are willing to pay it. Now, here's the Absolutely. other. Here's the other thing you got to think about. So, we we get a lot of games. That's kind of the nature of the beast for us. We're buying some games. We're we're getting some review copies and all that. But for the average person, I'm wondering you know, what that collection looks like, you know, for the, for, maybe this is a good poll question, you know, how big is your collection? Do you take cool. a game and do you play it, you know, are nonstop you for a month? Average or, person? No, what I'm saying is <laughs> I don't play games enough. You know, like I don't play the same game enough. Yeah. So I'm thinking for somebody who would say, all right, I'll get a hundred plays out of tapestry. Well, yeah, I would much rather have a, a, a really good solid copy of that. Or if it's people that are, you know, I know that I'm only going to get four or five, six plays out of this game. So it's okay. I would rather have more games at lower quality. Yeah. I don't know. It, that it, I'm interested to know that. I would I think guess it fits, that... It fits my personality. I, I do... I like new things. Like, I like to try new things and explore new things. Now, I will say that doing the podcast and YouTube and stuff, it is disappointing sometimes how little I get to go back and play Concordia. Right. How little... I mean, I really love games like that. I'm trying to wear out Glenmore 2 right now, knowing that I might not be able to in the future because of so many new stuff. But I do I do get um, excited about... Re- I love reading through a new rule book and learning the rules on a new game and exploring a yeah. new game. So, um, but with that said, I mean, there are people out there that just... I mean, if I didn't get review copies, I can't afford to get a ton of eighty dollars games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the real, other thing. Like, uh-huh. It just ain't happening. You kind of have to. You kind of have to balance that out. I just saw somebody that that put on um, put on Twitter their challenge at the beginning of the year. I can't remember who this was now, but their challenge at the beginning of the year was to only buy one game a month that cost more than forty dollars. And I thought that was a neat challenge because then at that point, you know, you can still get some of those deluxified games. But you're really like you're not and you're not gonna get so enamored by everything that comes out. You know, you're not yeah. gonna have this this fear of missing out on the new uh come on Kickstarter or or uh Awaken Realms or you know, any all these these big, big, huge Kickstarters that are hundreds and hundreds of sometimes thousands of dollars, you know, de- yeah. death uh not death may die, but the um bah, it'll come to me. Anyway, there's you know, thousands of dollars you can spend on one Kickstarter for board games. Sure. Oh but. yeah, heck yeah, yeah. We should. I should ask. Um, also, like, how much money do you spend? A Kingdom year? Death Monster. It just came to me. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for cutting me off. Twelve hundred dollars. I think was what that was. If you backed everything. Holy originally. Nuts. I think that's right. That's that's nuts. All right, let's talk about some games we've been playing lately. Because this conversation could, conversation could go on forever. It could. It could. All right. So you want to talk about a game first? I or you will. Want me to? I will talk about a game called Chronicles of Crime. This is by Lucky Duck Games. The designer is David uh, Securel. Uh, I believe I said that right. And in Chronicles of Crime, this is a game like Detective or the uh, any of those Sherlock Holmes, like Sherlock Holmes consult- consulting detective kind of games, uh, where you are trying to find out who is the person who committed this crime. It could be a murder. It could be something attempted murder or something else. And the unique part about this game is that you are going to be going through a deck of cards and you're going to be scanning these QR codes on those cards. And you, uh, you will scan a location to go to that location and you might search for clues. And when you search for clues, you have this, uh, you have like this augmented reality 
uh, thing going on on your phone or your, or your iPad or whatever you're using where you look around the room for the different clues and you're shouting out the clues to the other players and they're taking these cards then you scan those in for evidence then you can later on ask people about those pieces of evidence but it's very heavily uh, uh, technology based like it's very heavily app based game this is like for those who have are new to the podcast, this is so up Dean's alley. Yep. He loves these deduction type games. That's this right. Is like, he, like you should see the look on his face, how excited he is. Yeah, like, for real. The, and this one didn't disappoint at yeah. all. So how and, does? Okay, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say. So first off, for us, you know, one of our concerns, one of my concerns, I, I like app based games, but I know that you know we're playing board games, and part of that is to try to get away from technology. In this. You're passing around a phone. At least this is how we did it. We passed around the phone to different players because um, there's no like you're not taking a turn. You're all just working together. Yeah. So like I would use it for a little bit, pass it over to my wife, pass it over to a friend, and the app kind of just became part of the game, and it wasn't really a distraction because it was you know basically like reading cards is is what it equated to, and I really liked it. Is that what you were about to ask? I was going to ask you like uh, really quickly. I know it'd be hard, but like. How does it rate compared to some of the other, you know, games that like that in that genre that you enjoy? Is it really, really good or just? It's really it, good. Really? Yeah, I, I think I it's up there with me with Detective. I might rate it slightly higher than Detective. Really? I need to, I need to I need to play it a little bit more, but it's a lot more approachable. You don't have to teach anything. I mean, really, you can just tell people. Here's what you do in 30 seconds, yeah. and then you just start playing. And I really like that. I like that at the end it's going to ask that you a question. Nice. And you get points. So it's like Detective. You're going to get points based on how you answer this series of questions. However, there's really one big question, at least in the, the two that we've played, and that's who did this thing. And if you answer that right, you're going to succeed. And then it's also going to answer you. Other, you're going to answer other questions, and you're going to get more points based on if you answer those correctly. Cool. And the the cool thing. So we've played we played the first uh, game, and the first one's broken a, up into like a kind of a campaign of three different. Uh, I think it's three three different stories in that first campaign, and then there's a ton of other ones that you can uh, download from the app. And then there's the the Noir expansion and then the Redview expansion, Welcome to Redview. And Welcome to Redview is what my wife and I played. We played the first scenario of that, and that's like this 80s, you're playing like... Goonies! Yes, yeah, it's like Goonies or uh, kind of Stranger Things-esque, where you're playing as kids, and the mechanics are a little bit different. You've got this dice rolling mechanic, which is fine. It's not my favorite necessarily, but I think it's it's fine. But I still the story is what what's going to draw you to this game. That does that interest you at all? Probably not. So again, um, for those who have listened to the podcast, my biggest challenge is my wife hates these games, and since I play mm, sixty or seventy percent of my games with her, probably mm-hmm. um, it's you know I, I I I'm not a huge huge fan of those like but I know that that sours it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if she was really into it or, or into it at all, it would might make me be a little bit more into those types of games. But, yeah. I but think, they're also not my favorite either, I don't think. so. Like a lot of these games, you, you have to have the right crowd. The It was my, my Halloween gaming group that played this one. It's not really necessarily Halloween-themed, but it was just one that we wanted to do, and, and we all really got into it, I think. So. Yeah. Uh, Steven is a listener, and I know I, I think Steven liked it too. Steven? Pretty sure him and Kristen did. So Sweet. my wife and I loved it. 
All right. Chronicles of Crime. That's Chronicles of Crime, a game that uh, I got um, as a review copy very recently. I guess it was this week, actually. Is Skulk Hollow. Did you know anything about Skulk Hollow, Dean, before I... No, I'd heard the name, but I didn't really know much about it. Yeah, I had, I had same thing. Um, it had gotten a seal of excellence with the Dice Tower, and I know that you and Tom line up quite a bit, oftentimes. Not always. Sometimes, yeah. But decent amount. Anyway, so Skulk Hollow is kind of, I mentioned this to Dean before we started the podcast, it's a two-player only game first, which I don't know why I didn't realize that, but I didn't realize that. But second, it's it's asymmetric and kind of has a root light feel to it. One player plays the foxes, the other player plays one of these giant guardian creatures, and they all play differently, but it's card-based action. So you, you have a hand of cards, and you're laying down a card, and you're doing the action, which if you're a, a fox creature, you may, like, be shooting at this giant, uh, you know guardian or whatever with your arrows but it depends on what characters they have to be archers or you may be leaping onto it there's like a giant um like board that has the picture of the guardian on it and so you're like leaping onto him and like hitting them in the knees and jumping up and like that and the cool, cool thing is is when you like if you kill or, or get like two or three or however many hearts damage for that part of the body the guardian can no longer use that ability so if you knock my arm out, then I can't swing anymore if I'm um, one of the Grack or something like that, one of the characters. So you're making those choices if you're the fox, like, should I go take his eyes out so he can't gaze at me and, and, and stop shooting me that way? Should I take out his swing? Like so literally can... take his eyes out? Yeah. It's, it's, you're hitting his like head or something like that. Yeah. Okay, but you're not like physically removing eyes. his no, eyes. No, it's not gross. Okay, like that's that, good. I guess. Um, but, you know, my eight, not my, my son is 11. Nailed <laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, my 11-year-old and I played it on Saturday morning, and as soon as we were done, I was the foxes, I beat him, and he was like, oh, we're playing this again, because the foxes are way easier to beat. And I'm like, okay, I'll beat you as a guardian. And I didn't, he beat me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this is not, um, I, I enjoyed it. It's not like... I like games that are a little bit heavier. This is rated like a 2.3 or something, and gen generally speaking. But for a game for me and my son to play, I only have two plays in of it. I really liked it though. Like it's a fun, it's a fun game. I get why it got the seal of excellence. Like it's definitely not going to be that high for me personally, but it's a very approachable game. Playing these cards, it's a cool theme, and you do it feels thematic because you're jumping on the guy and you're trying to knock in one of the you're throwing them off of you if you're the guardian and trying to stomp them and doing different things like that so it's cool it's definitely way lighter than a root but anyway i'm interested in this one you you think that i would like this one i do because i think that it's you really like root like i do too but you also like approachable games like this and yeah. i think you would i think i even a lie how old is elias he's seven seven that's what i thought I almost forgot to. Yeah, you forgot your son's <laughs> age. Like, I think that he could play this game for sure. Okay. You know, uh, I'm not saying he would be excellent at it or anything, but I think he could definitely play it. I think it would be something that, I think something that you really like. Well, I'll, we'll do a YouTube review on this. I want to get more plays before I can give like my final final thoughts and my rating and stuff. But the first two plays I thought was is was enjoyable. That's cool. I mean, when you said root. I mean, you said root light, but when you said root, it's my root ears light. perked up. Yeah, and I, I love root. So if someone said that, I don't want anyone out there to be like, oh, man, it's root light. But 
I mean, they have the forest creatures. I think it feels like that they were trying, like, that's kind of the direction they went. Like, and you have the fox creatures. Like, you have kind of those type of thing, looking creatures on, um, in root. And they, it's asymmetric. And they say it's asymmetric. I guess that's the cool lingo now. To, if you have things that you're not doing the same type of actions. Right. It's asymmetric because everyone likes those types of games. Or a lot of, not everyone, but a lot of people do. So, uh, but it's cool, man. And the Guardians, there's like four different ones. So when you're playing the Guardians, you can, there's, and they all have different abilities, different complexity levels. I want to check that one out. Yeah. Yeet. I think you like it. Yeet. All right. So the game that we have both played together is walking in Murano. You know what? I was actually going to tee it up because we did a YouTube video of walking in Murano where John does a theme song, sort of, at the beginning of the video. You might want to go check that out. It just happened. <laughs> walking in Murano is by designer Wei Min Ling, and this was an, a review copy that we got from AEG. And in this game, you are trying to build up your row houses in Burano and you're going to build up five houses in your tableau and as you're completing those houses you're going to be taking cards that will go at the bottom of a the house that you just completed and that's your scoring card that you're going to put in play it might score that specific house if it is a tourist walking by or if it's a resident in the house i don't, I don't remember if resident's the right term but something like that and that will score horizontally like kind of throughout that neighborhood and uh, that's that's kind of it. You're just going to be drafting. That's that's the crux of this game is card drafting, drafting cards, and there's some uh, some money management in this. And you know, because you, you, you have to when you're drawing the cards, you're going to get money, and then when you're building your houses up, you have to pay money. So there's a little bit of uh, uh, the, the dynamic between those two pieces, and then how you build your houses up. So the the cards that give you points are going to give you points for like how many cats you have or uh like whatever what else how many different potted plants that you have in that house all or in a specific of, row or something yeah, like that the so, type of awnings right all right awnings and all that kind of tons stuff. of different ways to score points mm -hmm. and what'd you think of this one john so um i liked it i thought it was it gave dean and i some point salady type feels because you're either you know you're, you're drawing you know, one two or three cards um, I like the way that you put them into your town, which is kind of neat in the way they do the scaffolding, which is cool. Um, cause like you can get a roof and you could, you can't put the roof in your town unless you'd have like two cards of scaffolding. You can't put the middle part of your town unless you have one thing of scaffolding and you have two pieces of scaffolding. So you're like, throughout the course of the game, you're kind of moving those scaffoldings around and stuff. That's really neat. Um, I also like the way as Dean was just saying that you just, you score different cards. Like, I like how you can pick which cards and it scores differently so it's not the same thing every time you play. But overall, as I mentioned um, on the YouTube uh, video, it it it, did, it wasn't anything special for me. I thought it was a fine game, a solid game. I think a lot of people will like will like Walking in Burano, but it didn't do, do anything overly exciting for me. I like it. Yeah, you really I like think, it. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I like Point Salad better. Um, and, it, and Point Salad is even more approachable than, than this one. This one, you say it's approachable, and I totally agree with that. But I do think that for brand new people, the scoring cards can be kind of tricky, potentially. Did I say it was approachable? No, you said it was approachable. I did? I thought so. I don't know if I did. 
You said Skullcala was, so... I did I, say Skullcala was. <laughs> same thing, right? Uh, may, no, maybe you didn't. Sorry, I got my games confused there for a second. But it is, it's a very approachable game. I, th- I think if, if, you like, if you like Point Salad a ton, I think you might really like this. Even though they're pretty different, they still have, you know, card drafting and you're picking your scoring cards, which uh, I think is fun. So I, I really enjoy this one for a quick, this is 20 to 40 minute game. Uh, and it's it, it takes up a lot of table space, but it fits in a pretty small box, which is a, a plus two. So that's yep. Walking in Murano. I like it. Walking in Murano. I do not like the theme song to it. <laughs> All right. It's, it's the best song. All and right. If, AG, if you want to uh, me to come up with some theme songs for some more of your games, just let me know. I bet that's exactly what they're waiting for you to invite them to, to contact them about. Uh, I can do it. It just happens. <laughs> All right, that's what we've been playing. Let's get to our review of Reavers of Midgard. Reavers of Midgard is published in 2019 by Gray Fox Games. The designer is J.B. Howell. The artist is Yaroslav Radecki plays in about 75 to 90 minutes and is for two to four players. Reavers of Midgard is a follow-up game to a very popular game called Champions of Midgard that was released in 2015, also by Gray Fox Game. Players are gonna be placing one single worker every turn, and then other players will be allowed to follow suit and take that same action. Now, when you're the active player that's taken the action, initially you'll gain a bonus, and then other players beyond that might be able to gain a bonus as well, but it won't be as strong, or they might not have a bonus at all. But they will be able to take that action if they can afford it, and if they cannot, then they'll take a rest action, which will give them a die that they can place on any side that they want and put on their ship, or they'll be able to take two food. Now I'm just going to give a quick rundown of what these action spaces are on their board. There's only six action spaces available. One of them is a trading spot which is going to give you just straight up resources. You can also gain prophecy cards at that location and those will give you end game points. There are also two raiding places on the board. One is to raid villages, another one is to raid keeps and both of those are going to give you cards either for resources or end game bonuses. You can also get artifacts here that will allow you to place different die faces on those artifact cards and that will give you uh, bonus actions throughout the game as well. You're also going to be able to potentially subdue territories and when you do that you can either battle for those territories or you can pay resources to subdue those territories. Now when you get those territories they're just these hexagon tiles that you're going to place on your board and they'll give you immediate bonuses like points or resources but they're also going to count for points every round and potentially if you have the right cards they can be more points at the end of the game. There's also a place to battle at sea and this is kind of similar to Champions of Midgard and what you're going to do is flip over a sea card that will determine whether or not something bad happens to you or nothing happens at all and after you do that you're able to battle the monster. Now there's two different ways to combat those monsters. The first one is easy and that is just to have the correct die faces on the crew member from your ship and you can just spend those dice to be able to take that animal down and gain the resources as well as the victory points posted on the card. Now the other way is to just straight up battle that monster. And you're going to do this a little bit different than what you would in Champions of Midgard. If you have dice in your ship that have the hammer symbol face up, 
then you're going to turn in those dice and for every hammer symbol that you turn in you're going to take a black die and those dice are going to be rolled and when you roll those you get a hit for every hammer that you roll on those dice so for example let's say i turn in two dice with a total of three hammer symbols then i'm going to grab three black dice roll those and let's say it was a four combat symbol on the monster then i will have to roll four now there are ways to mitigate that those dice roll just like in champions of midgard you can turn in a favor token to re-roll those dice now the last spot on the board is the reaver spot and in the reaver spot you're going to be able to choose from a stack of cards each stack of cards has two cards and immediately you'll get the dice that are posted on those cards and then you can choose between one of between one of three actions that are on the cards you can either take those cards and put them underneath your player board which is going to give you bonuses every time that card triggers from someone taking that specific action you can also use the card to gain the dice in the top right hand corner of the card and instead of rolling those dice and putting them in your player board you're actually going to take those and place them on whatever symbol you want and put them onto your ship and the last thing you can do with the Reavers is make that Reaver card your leader. And when you do that, there are three different colors of Reavers. There's the yellow, the red, and the blue. And if you take a blue card, for example, and make that your leader, you're going to put that onto your player board, and you're going to gain the bonuses for that card. In this case, it would be four food tokens that you would get immediately. And then throughout the game, as long as that card maintains your lead, is maintained as your leader, every time you have the clan symbol on that die showing it will basically act as a wild symbol for that specific die and that's just the the gist of how those cards play out now this game is very point salad -y. you're going to get points from the cards throughout the game from the from the raids and from the prophecies you're going to get points from subduing territories you're going to get points from defeating monsters lots of in-game bonus scoring going on in this game as well Hopefully that's just a quick overview to show you how this game plays out, but let's get back and see what we think of Reavers of Midgard. Alright, Meeple Town, if you've listened to us for a while, you might know that... <laughs> yeah! That we like some Viking games. I don't even know if that's going to pick up on there, but... Let's... Dude... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to be Johnny Sound Effect from now on. Now that we got the party horns going, uh, or, or, they're not party horns. <laughs> what are those called? The, the little things that we were sound we were party sound party makers? blowers. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not a horn, is it? <laughs> anyway, uh, I thought that we, I would add a Viking horn. That sound that sounded much more like cattle than it did an actual Viking horn. What I was going to say is we like Viking oh, games. Oh, you're getting choked up over we there. We like Viking games in Meeple Town, and it, <laughs> and I don't know if you know where to go from here. But we're talking about Reavers of Midgard, which is a follow up. Oh my goodness gracious! Is a follow up. That's the worst Viking horn noise I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, this is a follow-up to Champions of Midgard, which is a game that I quite enjoyed. John really liked, too. Not as much as I did, but this was a follow-up to that. So that's what we're reviewing today. So you want to go right for it, I'm going to jump right into it and try to ignore John's sound effects as best I can. John, what do you think about the art and components? Art and components. So, well, Dean, Dean has the playing mat that he ordered with it. 
And so we played with the playing mat. The board was fine. Right. Um, the playing mat is really cool, but really colorful and almost a little busy. It's not almost. It is a little busy. Yeah, I probably should have prefaced this by saying that I did kickstart this game because I I was hype on it. And so we were playing with the player mat, like the, the rubber mat. We were playing with the, the uh, wooden components, which are better than the cardboard components. We were playing with the recessed board. The individual player boards were all recessed in the Kickstarter edition. And probably some other things that I'm missing... But that, that was kind of the, the gist of it. So we were playing with, like, the, the most excellent edition of this game because that's the kind of guy the I expensive am. expensive edition just goes right back to the beginning of the podcast. Actually, the, all, all in, those baby. were, if I remember right, I don't know if those were add-ons. I think those were just standard Kickstarter. I might be wrong about that. But. Well, the edition that you were playing with was all the components were excellent. Yes. So. I will, this is, if you're a Kickstarter and you, you kind of kept up with this, there are some complaints about the card quality I think the cards are fine, but they're not what were promised in the Kickstarter. They were promised to have like these I just forget about that. linen finish, uh, but I, I was okay with the cards. And then it has game trays. Everybody loves game trays. I love game trays. They were not fantastic in this game, I don't think. And part of that was because the lids didn't stay on, and that was really frustrating. And part of it was because the uh, apparently with that, the the plastic thickness of the plastic wasn't as strong of a quality as what the samples that were sent to them. So they're, they're working out all that, I think. But also the way the trays were designed, all the pieces don't fit in there perfectly well. That's kind of annoying. And anyway, but it I, is I like you it. spend a lot of money for a game and especially how you like your trays. Yeah, it is. That can be annoying. Yep. What do you think about the, the placemat board? Do you think that was too busy? Or you think like the, the graphics yes. on the board, not a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I knew that going into it. Like, I, I knew when I saw that, I was like, ugh, I don't like it. Like, they have all these different colored lands to separate, to show you where the areas are. But the reality is, you don't really need, like, this pink area, like these pink trees yeah. in contrast to these yellower green trees because they don't play into the game at all. Like, you can see very clearly what the worker placement spots are on the board. You didn't need that. So I'm not a big fan of it, but it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Gameplay? Gameplay is a lot of fun. Ah. I do. I like the gameplay. The the thing, there's lots of things to like about the gameplay in this one. One is that the there's only five spots on the board, and you're only going to be taking four spots, like four actions per turn. and Six spots. What did I, I say? I forgot about the war, the battle spot probably in the middle of the board. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, you're right. So there's the, the there's six spots on the board. You're only going to be taking four of those. And everyone is going to be playing. If you're playing a four-player game, everyone's just going to be placing them one meeple per round. But then when they place that meeple, it gives other people the opportunity to follow suit and take that action or to rest and, and get something like to get another, uh, to get another die. Kind of Puerto Rico-ish. Not exactly because you don't have to follow Nothing suit. like Puerto Rico. You you are picking a role <laughs> in Puerto Rico and everyone gets to do that role, but you get a bonus. In this game, you're picking a worker placement spot and you get a bonus for picking that spot. You do. The difference is you have to pay for these that is spots. The, that's what I just said. Dude. Yeah. So it's really <laughs> nothing like Puerto Rico. And the fact that uh, there are boats in both of these I'm games. I'm coming up out of my seat. 
gosh. It's more like another worker placement game. Yeah. But anyway, I, I, I like the simplicity of that. And um, it, the reality is if you can take the action, it, it's like, you know, you have to kind of think of head. But most of the time you're going to try to take those actions because you don't get that many actions in a game. You're playing six rounds of this. And and you want to take as many actions as you can. To. Yeah, you're trying to kind of also guess what the other players are going to do. Right, right. right? You have so to like, look at their resources and see what they you have. You do, because when they're taking the action, you're, or when you take, maybe you're taking your action, but you're thinking, okay, if Dean takes, you know, go to battle action, do I have enough food to be able to do that, follow that suit or follow what he just did? So that, I think that's a really interesting part of the game where you're really trying to not only think about what you want to do, but think about what other people are going to do and making sure you have enough resources to do that action. Because if it comes around and you don't have the resources, yeah, you get, what, two food or you get a die, which is fine. And that has to happen sometimes. A die on any game. side that you want. So, yeah, it's, so it's good. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. But, you know, if you really need to, um, you know, go and conquer territories that round, which is one of the placement spots, or, or like I said, do a sea battle or something like that to get victory points... Um, raid keeps because you really want some more art. You gotta make sure you got three pieces of meat and a couple uh, shield die or whatever to be able to do it. Right, right. Which means you're gonna have to take the trade, the trading spot, which is um, not necessarily. You can get you can get resources in other places, but the yeah. trading spot is the place that you can can potentially get the most resources. Now, the other thing I like is that. Uh, I'll kind of jump into another section of this, but I really like the multi-use cards with the Reaver cards because yeah. one of you can either promote a, a card. So once you get a card, a Reaver card, it's going to give you dice, and you take those dice. Then you can either choose to get another die or two that are listed on the other side of the card, or you can use it to promote to a leader, which gives you benefits right away, and then it also benefits you that specific color die that is your leader. And then you can also use the card to upgrade your player board, which is another great way to get resources. Yeah. So you really have to, like John said, you have to plan, you have to strategize how all that's going to play out. Yeah, I really like the engine building mechanic that you have in this, because if you do, like Dean said, if you upgrade your places, you put the cards under, and it may give you something like look at two cards in one of the spots and pick and keep one of them. Or maybe you just get two victory points every time someone, and it happens every time someone takes that action. So you're trying to think early in the game, okay, if this triggers, then I could, you know, every round potentially, then I'm going to get five of these. Or if it doesn't, you know, and so it's really cool that you can kind of build that resource engine to where you're getting other ways to get those resources uh, once other players take those actions. So that was that was cool because like I love the engine build and I know it's not like super engine building like but it, it gave me those kind of feels which I immediately whenever I read watched some of the um, how to play like I was like I'm gonna like that and I did yeah yeah I wish I would have used it more I need to get better at using it more I guess is what I I think maybe yeah. I'm wrong but yeah I think that I'm not as good at you know anyways yeah, there's a lot of similarities between this and Champions of Midgard. You know, you're you're still going and doing these these sea battles, which I think one is fun. I I think the way you battle in this game is good because you can either choose to straight up battle with your um, with the hammers that you have on your dice. So what you're going to do in that case is use all the hammers on the symbols, uh, all the hammers from the symbols on the die that you're turning in. Then you're going to roll that many black dice. And then if you beat the number, once you roll those black dice, which also have hammers on there, 
if you have more hammers than or equal to the amount of on the shield, the, the number on the shield, you beat it. But if you don't have a lot of attack dice, you can still use the symbols on your dice to uh, to overtake those sea monsters or if you're subduing a territory, whichever whichever area you're going to. And I like that. I think that's cool because it takes out some more of the randomness of just the dice rolls. Oh, I, I really, really like that aspect of it because you, you don't even have to roll the dice. Like, you could play the whole game by getting the dice that are on the cards. Yeah, And yeah. choosing to not take the... I mean... Then you You're going to roll dice with your reaver You probably cards. will because of, because of that. I mean, yeah, that's for sure. I just meant for the battling purposes. Right, You yeah. could literally uh-huh. play the whole game. Now, that would eliminate the point of having the hammer die, side of the die. Um, but it really feels so much less random, um, for sure, than Champions. But this is where I disagree with Dean. Um, he disagrees about Puerto Rico. I don't think it feels like Champions at all. I feel like if it wasn't Reavers of Midgard and like the art wasn't similar and stuff... It, it, I would have no idea that it has uh, the battle at sea. Yes, that that's what I was getting at. The battle at sea. Yep. Yes, but you don't even take a boat like to the big monsters. I mean, I know in, in you champions flip over you don't the... always do that either, right, right. for sure. And yes, and you do flip over that the, a card to have no effect or lose something, which that is like it as well. Um, and, and 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 yes, you do have to give like meat and different things to provisions uh, to go on there. So I mean, there are some similarities, but I like took a step back and I thought. I thought this would have a lot more champion feels, and then I watched how to play, and I was like, oh, this is like way more straight up Euro. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I would agree champion. with that. Like, and, it's, and if, again, if it was different art and stuff, I don't know if I would even make the connection. There were a, There's a few mechanics that I would say, oh, you flip over the card before you do a battle like champions. Yeah. And some things like that. But I thought, it, and I say that to say, if you love champions and maybe aren't the biggest, like, Euro game fan, you might not like Reavers. Mm-hmm. Or on the flip side, if you don't like Champions, you might really like Reavers. I mean, I'll, spoiler alert, I like Reavers better than Champions, for sure. Um, because I like Euro-style games more, and I'm not as... I mean, this game, does this... I'm going to ask you this along these lines. Does it feel thematic to you? Not as much as Champions. Yeah. I, I would say that. Now, there there are thematic elements of it. You know, you, you are raiding... You know, for example, you'll raid the keeps to get art and get armor. And yeah. that, you know, there's that, that part that feels like you're, you know, collecting up all these goods or you're pillaging a, a town or, you know, a farm or something like that. So, like, there's elements or the battles kind of feel that way. But it doesn't feel as thematic as what Champions does. Yeah, and that's that's the... And, and again, I, those who who know me, I, I don't care about theme as much as... near as much as Dean does. Um, but I will say in a Viking game going out pillaging like let's just say raiders of the north sea now sometimes when you pillage you just go in and get the things but sometimes you're rolling dice for more victory points and it feels i like the feels that i do get i, I know it's more random but i do like those thematic feels that i'm rolling like if, if they had something on this where you're like pillaging and you're rolling dice and trying to get the pillage now i would like that for thematic purposes but i'm glad it's not there in this game yeah, yeah, I, and that's I, just that's just my style. Some people won't be glad that it's not there. Yeah, I think you you, you know you mentioned earlier that with the battles, if you just go with those symbols um, or or the subduing territories, and you're just exchanging your your resources or dice potentially, um, I don't think that you're going to do as well without taking some of those risks to battle with your hammers. You know, to, sure, to roll the you, dice. There may be a die that gives you two hammers that lets you roll two. Yeah, for sure. 
you could it's more efficient yeah and, and and just like champions this is like champions too but you you have these favor tokens that allow you to re-roll dice and that's yeah. you know there's there's ways to mitigate it and so if you hear dice rolling and just shut us off or shut this game off don't do that because there's tons of ways to a avoid dice rolling or to mitigate the the rolls of your dice yeah for sure way more than most yeah there's not i mean there the dice roll the most of the dice rolling in this game is when you get die and you roll them and it's going to go to a symbol and on that symbol not a symbol but that symbol is going to affect the way you go to your worker placement slots on the board right or those territory things that you claim on that one worker placement spot or whatever um so yeah i uh and i like that about this i i was yeah i was excited when i watched the video on how to play now i will say that i got really excited watching the video i do like this game it's a good game but it it wasn't it didn't make me go Top twenty game. I think it's just totally amazing. Um, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But nah, <laughs> I think he's like, I got, I got to tell you about a couple more things. <laughs> Maybe not top twenty, but um, anyway, for for me, you know, in in champions, I, you can't not compare these games when you're when you're talking about them. Um, but with champions, there's really, especially when you're looking at the base game you're going to get points by defeating monsters mostly you know you still get points from cards and Mm -hmm. you know there's even a worker placement spot where you can just take points like there's other ways to get points but that's primarily the way that you're going to get a lot of points is by those battles in this game the thing that i like better is that you can get okay i'm just again talking about champion base game with the expansions that changes a little bit but yes with with the base game of Reavers, there's lots of ways to get points. Yeah. You know, ra- raiding the keeps, raiding the villages, getting a ton, a ton of end game points in this game. Which, if you like that, then this might be the game for you. But I, I really like that battling. You can get a ton of points, but you could not battle most of the game and still win because of all these end game points that you're going to get. That's right, and that's the last thing before I didn't want to jump. I really didn't want to jump into the final thoughts right there. That was the last big plus I had for this game that I wanted to share was there's a lot of different ways to score points in this game. Yep. There's a lot, and there's a lot of which I just let's talk about now. There's a lot of in-game scoring, a ton of potentially of in-game scoring in this. So in Dean and I, the last game that we played, I was kind of going heavy, attack the monsters. And it gave me, I think, a 30-point-ish, 30-something point lead yeah, going yeah. into the end of the game. And Dean kept, Dean was like, oh, you got me, you got me, you got me. I'm sitting there going, man, you got... I knew I had you. Yeah, he was just, he was messing around. <laughs> I was baiting you. He was baiting me. He was a bait and switch. And I'm sitting there going, no. You've got a lot of those like raid cards where you're keeping... I had a, a huge stack of a cards. A huge stack. And, and so in those cards are... It's set collection, really. Yeah. You're, if you get if you have one of the um, art cards, it's worth X amount of points. I can't remember what it was. I think it's two 15, points, 15 two, if four, you have a set of three. Two, it's 2, 4, and 10, I think. 2 something and 10. It's 10 points for three of art. But there's different ones. He's, he's looking going up. I think I it's 15. I guarantee you it's 10. Is it 10? Do it. Yes. Okay. Look it up so that I can be right on Meeple Town. <laughs> Uh, but there's also ones that if you Oh, get, it's the tapestries, I think, that are 15. Is yeah. that right? Okay. Yeah, there's several. Yeah. That's the cool thing, though. And then there's... Is the armor? The armor is 30, if you, 30, but you have to have, six, you have to get of six of them. So, like, if you collect... So there's that push-your-luck set collection element. And at the end of the game, I had a few sets that weren't maxed out. And the reason I remember was because the only one I maxed out was one art worth 10 points. But Dean had 30 points on that. He scored... 
How many points did you score after the game ended just on in-game scoring? Maybe 150 150, or something like that. It was a lot, a lot of points. And it it went from me being up 30 to him winning by 30-something. Yeah, uh uh-huh. So, like, it was where we thought I I was like, I was looking back going, I'm hoping I can hold on by the skin of my teeth when I saw his stack of cards. Was that a negative for you? No. Oh, okay. No. So you're saying that's a positive. Right? I say it's, okay. I like, I like, I like, in, I like how you, I'm saying it's positive because I like how there's a lot of different ways to score points. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can be heavy and, and, and again, you've got to be willing to, to say like Dean did in that game. Yeah. Let him think he's winning. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> we'll just wait and see what happens. And he just got a lot more of those raid keep cards. That's, um, yeah, that spot. And it really scored a lot of points. There's other ways, um, to score points, I mean, there's ways that whenever you're going out and getting those... Um, it was the treasure, I think, that was 15. Sorry, I was like, I thought there was another one, but anyway. No, I mean, there's the one where you're getting those tiles, too, and, like, at the end of each round, you're scoring points for how many tiles that you have, which, again, that's, like, a little small point-building engine that will c- continue to score your points over the course of the game. So you're at, you know, do I want to get those? Do I want to jump on that really early and get that little engine going? Do I want to push my luck like Dean did and, and worry about some of the set collection? and hope that I get get the right cards to come out so that I can get those 30 points. Um, so I love Well, the positive is you're going to you're going to get points. You know, you you know whether this or not you get the, the a point salad game. Yeah, you're whether score a ton of points in this game. Yeah, whether or not you get like a full set of things, you're still going to get points. And exactly. so there's a, a, a benefit. But uh, you know also the 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 prophecy cards that give you points are can be as benefit, you know, they can be really beneficial. I don't, I don't know if they're as beneficial as getting those raid keep cards. If you can just get a ton of those, if you can get a ton of them, yeah. But part of that just depends on what your what your cards allow you to do. So, like your reaver cards that you put onto your player board that will give you extra bonuses, you, you kind of have to play to the strengths of those cards, and that's how you're building up your engine, like John's talking yeah. about, and. Um, also, you know, the, the walls, getting sets of wall tokens, getting sets of the farms, getting, you know, tons. I know we just keep saying this and we're, we're repeating ourselves, but there's a ton of points that you can get at the end of the game, which is great. Yep. As Tony the Tiger says, let's get to our, great. to our final, final thoughts. thoughts. I'll go first then. All right. I kind of did. So, like I said before, I really, I did enjoy, I did, I do enjoy this game. I enjoy how you can get a ton of points. I enjoy the decisions you're making as you're placing your workers, but recognizing that you don't have, you have one or two, a two-player game, we have two workers with Dean and I were playing, but you don't have very many choices um, for, I mean, that many opportunities to place these things, so you're really trying to bank on what other people are doing. That's a huge part of this game. That being said, there's only six spots, so there's not a ton of spots, which to me might be a little bit of a negative. I might have actually liked to see a few more spots, but I think it's this is ripe for um, expansions, no doubt about it, and they're going to put out expansions for this, I'm sure, as long as it goes decent. Um, but, yeah, I like those decisions that I'm making over the course of the game. It didn't give me this, like, again, top 20 amazing game feel, but I did like it. I'm giving this an 8 out of 10, which is a really good score. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good score, so I, I like it a little. I gave Champions, like, a 7.5. Champions is really fun and thematic, except for it's just can be super random. Now, if you get Valhalla and some of those expansions, it can it changes can really, it quite a bit. It'll change yeah. it, change it absolutely quite a bit. But besides that, I like how this is way less random. A lot of different ways to score points, and so it's it's fun. It, it feels like a just a it's a Viking Euro game, man. Not overly thematic, but yeah. a little bit of theme. Yeah, yeah. Out of out of the three of these, 
uh, Raiders, Champions, this one, rate those in theme. Like, strength of theme that you feel. Champions, in Raiders, this. Champions, Raiders, this. I'd, I'd agree with that. I think um, that's right. And, and I think Champions and Raiders are pretty close, though. Yeah. Because that when you see all that stuff spread out on the board, and you're kind of going into and going out there and still rolling dice for victory points, you're going to get some victory points. But that's fun. Um, and it feels kind of it feels thematic as well, but yeah, yeah. This one, um, I don't know. I I'd probably put Raiders and Reavers closer together than what you would. Yeah. Um, but I would still put it in that same order. But I I really like John. I really enjoy this one uh, quite a bit as well. I don't. I think I have it just slightly above Champions with the expansions. Uh, I, I like it that much. I think this is a ton of fun. And so for me, this is an eight and a half. The the things that I've already mentioned that I really love about it. I love the. I love the components of this game. Of course, I ha- again have the Kickstarter version. I I really enjoy the I enjoy the the point salad nature. I love the Reavers cards because of the the multi use uh, effects that are on there. And I just uh, yeah I, I like the different paths that you can take. Yet it's a pretty simple game. So I, I really enjoy all of those things. That's an eight and a half for me. Now let's look at board game prices, which says this game is. About 48 bucks is the cheapest you can get this one at. Uh, Where's that? Miniature Market and Game Nerds all both have those. So around 50 bucks. Now that doesn't include the wooden pieces, I don't think. I might be wrong about that. It doesn't have the recess board. It obviously doesn't have the the you know the rollout play mat. Sure. Any of those things. Is that worth it, John? Yeah, I think it is. Um this this is not a game that I'm gonna that I wanna like I really feel like I have to go out and get. I enjoyed playing it, but part of that is because Dean owns it, and so that really helps a lot for me. Um, but that's that's a reasonable price, I thought. If if it was fifty five, sixty bucks, I might be like, hmm. Especially if you don't get, you know, if it's just cardboard pieces. But for forty something, what forty eight? Is that what you said? Forty eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's worth it. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And because of the custom dice, that's why I would say that. Because really, everything else is just cardboard pieces at the end of the day. But they're good quality cardboard. They right? are. They they're totally fine. And yeah, it, it, it's fine. But I think the custom dice is really what bumps this price up. Because there's a lot of custom dice in this game. But anyway, that is an eight and a half from me. That is an eight from John on Reavers of Midgard. Let's get to our top five hoot and holler games. Dang it. All right, since it is our one year anniversary, I thought, what is that? That's I'm hooting. That's. That, that's not the type of hooting. Top, top five owl games, that's right? That's not the type of hooting. By the way, to, to just completely derail where I was going there, <laughs> I yelled dang it at the end of the last segment because I was trying to get the Viking horn or the cow horn or whatever you want to call it to play again. So uh, excuse me for my language. John was there. worried that everyone would have been so sad if we didn't play the, the Viking horn The Viking horn again. horns again. They may what, come uh, out. Don't put, put your phone down. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> All right, so because it was our one-year anniversary, Dean and I, we were talking about uh, we want to do another uh, top list, and I thought, you know what? We're from Tennessee. We're having fun. Let's do a hoot and holler list. What do you think, Dean? Well, I thought this was an owl list, and so all I have is wingspan. That's the only <laughs> Just bird game. It's the only bird game I've played with uh, owls. That's in number it. one through five for you. <laughs> so uh, if you don't know what a hoot and holler is, these are going to be games that are just 
They're fun, and you, you have their games on my list. It should be on Dean's. Should be the same. Where people are yelling things out loud. It may be because you're rolling dice and you just like ah, oh! or it, it just happens over the course of the game, um, or something else. Maybe you're it's a deduction game and you're finding out who who that the bad guy is and you're all pointing at him and going no it's that's you it's you it's me it's them it's who you know those kind of things. You me you me you me you, you me you. you me. So top five hoot and holler games, baby. All right, you I know? had a I had a hard time with this list. Did I've you? got I've got a bunch of these because well, this is all right. So a I'm going to say this before this list. My number one is like a seven and a half for me. So these aren't my favorite types of games. But, so I say that to say, maybe you, here it's number one on this list. If you like my style of games, you, you, you know, if you lean towards me, then you may be like, okay. Boo. Which you can have, you can have Euros that are Hoot and Holler games too. You can. I think they're, I, I have fun with Hoot and Holler games. Yeah, Champions saying, of Midgard we just talked about is, can it, be a Hoot and Holler game. Exactly. So I mean, I, I, I like these games. I have a good time playing them. It's just, if it's number one on this list doesn't mean none of these are top 50 for me or anything like that. Yeah, I went. But they're still good games. I I typed up the a list of potentials, and I think I had about twenty games yeah. on my list. But but this it's more my style. This is definitely so. Dean's style. Which well, is since cool. my list is gonna be better, why don't we start with you? That's fine. Hey oh, hey, I just kicked the table. <laughs> You're trying to kick me. I don't know if you heard this, but uh, let's start off with my number five. Is it a Viking game? Champions of Midgard. Oh, you what? caught it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so uh, the reason that Champions of Midgard is my number five here, and, and now let me say this, with expansions, I don't like Champions of Midgard normally very much because it is really random, but when you add Valhalla, at least, um, this game, there are definitely moments you're playing and you are, uh, we've talked about Reavers, you're chucking dice and you're destroying monsters. That's what you're doing in this game. Your worker placement, going out worker placement, getting rations and stuff, and going and killing things. There is no way you can play Champions of Midgard without a little hoot and holler. Right? Ooh, not that ooh. kind. Not, no. Hey! <laughs> what? I'm I don't even know what's happening. You sound like a, like a grumpy person yelling at an owl. Yelling that's, at owls. That's what I got for my list. That's okay. <laughs> and, right, Dean? I mean, there's yeah. no there's no doubt. You can't play this game without yelling sometime. Yes, I would agree with that. It'd be tough. Yep. I guess maybe our more even-tempered listeners may be able to do that. Not me. It's like... Rolling dice and in your face. Yeet. Let's go. That's uh that that game wasn't even in my top twenty. I uh, thought that it I didn't I didn't know if it would be on your list because yeah. Anyway. And I love it. I love it. Yep. So there you I'm go. Number five, Champions of Midgard. It's a fun game where you're chucking dice and slaying monsters. All right, my number five is a game that came out in the eighties. How about uh, that? I know what it is. No, you don't. Yes, yeah, survive. Nope. It's really? not. Yeah, it's Fireball Island. Oh. But I'm going to talk about Fireball Island, The Curse of Olkar, which is a the 2018 version that just came out by Restoration Games. Although both of them would be up there because we really like Fireball Island in my house. But in Fireball Island, you are going around the island collecting treasures. But at some point, the volcano is going to explode. It's going to erupt. And all of these fireballs are going to fly all over the place, all over the board. And you're going to hit people, and you don't know if they're going to hit people or not, and that's where the hooting and hollering comes into play. And in the the newest version, Volcar has like three different spots that the fireballs can come out, so you really don't know where they're going to come out. You can also flick some of the fireballs out at people. There's bees that you drop in Volcar that go all over the place. There's snakes. There's, I mean, there's tons of stuff that can happen in this game. And every time, every time something gets dropped in Volcar, 
everybody goes crazy because <laughs> it is I've just... I've never played this. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. And, it, you know, there's not a ton of strategy in this one. You 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 have two cards and you're playing one card that tells you how far you can move and then a special ability that yeah. you can take. So it's But it's a ton of fun. We play this with uh, our immediate family, uh, my wife and our kids. We've also played it with... Uh, with her brother and their family quite a bit. They like it a lot too. So uh, that is Fireball Island. In this case, the new restoration version, The Curse of Volcar. There you go. Well, my number four is an absolute classic that's been around since, let's see when it actually came out. Dude, it's the only game has been out, what, 2000? Oh, wait, I'm actually, <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm looking at one of the expansions. <laughs> that would uh, make it a little bit sooner. But still, <laughs> 2011. This is a game that you cannot play without hooting and hollering against other people. And that is Richard Garfield's King of Tokyo. Yeah, this, this was on my this was on my I thought it list. might be on your list. I like that but, one. I a lot. mean, it's it, it what I like about King of Tokyo is you can teach it to anyone quick. You're chucking dice, whoever's in Tokyo is getting damaged. If you're in uh, Tokyo, you're damaging the other players that are outside of Tokyo. You know, you're going to always have the players that are being more conservative and just kind of going for the for those victory points instead of killing. But then you're going to have people like me. I don't, I don't, I don't want to win by getting to the victory point condition. I want to kill everybody. Wow. And I'm going at it. It's because it's fun. You're talking about the game, right? Dude, I'm, <laughs> I, in real life, I'm like one of the most least violent persons that, that you know. But when I'm playing the game and we're just having fun, it's just Cut like, throat. come on, let's do it. Yeah, that's just how I am. And I tell people ahead of time, I'm like, I'm going after you. Yes. Like, just just be ready. And if you don't want me to come after you, don't get your feelings hurt. That's this game. Let's just chuck dice and holler at each other. Super great pick. I love that game. Yeah. Thank King you. of Tokyo. I'm not playing King of New York, which I think I would like King of Tokyo better anyway, just because of the nature of it. But I, I really want to try New York. It's been out for a, like a decade now, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not going to play it. This is 2011. Like, point. I thought it could. Of course, that, I guess 2011 was eight years ago. That is, a, that is in board game terms. Turns? Eternity. Terms. That's a long time. <laughs> All right, my number four is a game that you have not played. This one came out in 2012? I say that was a, with a question mark because I've only heard about it here in the last few years, but I think it, it became big when Ravensburger picked it up. That is Strike. I don't think you've, you haven't played Strike, right? No. So also... It, I don't it, even know what Strike is. I'm about to explain it to I've you. I've never even heard of it before. It's it's sometimes known as if you listen to the... Uh, if you listen to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, they refer it to either Gladiators in an Arena or Dice in a Bowl. And really, that that is it. Like, you, huh. you take the top of the box off and you have this arena with dice. Yeah. You're going to take your dice and what you're doing is you're just chunking a die at the other dice trying to make the, those sides change, okay? Because when you have doubles, you're gonna be able to remove those. And what you're trying to do is to get everyone else to lose all of their dice, and when they do, then you are going to be victorious because you have collected all of the dice. Or everyone else is, has lost all of their dice. And it sounds super random and silly. That's what I was going to say. It sounds ultra random. Here's the thing: we have this friend Jonathan who listens to the show, and Jonathan is—you would describe Jonathan as somebody who has gaming styles very similar to yours. Yeah. He's 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 a heavy Euro guy. More, I would say, even more than Jonathan. I would agree. And Jonathan and I got to play this at, at Tennessee Game Days a couple years ago. We loved it. Yeah, loved it. And I didn't think Jonathan would like it because it's so silly and random. But it's just... Is it pretty quick? 
Oh, 15 minutes. Yeah, it plays in it. We, we played, I think, probably five games in a row. Because when you're at a con and you're playing all these super heavy games, you need to have a brain break. This is that brain break, and you are going nuts when you put somebody out of the game, or when somebody gets put out of the game, or if you you know, flip the dice over to, to match in, in doubles. It's fantastic. I yeah. love this game, Strike. I, I don't I, own this one either, and I want to. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I'd like to – I'd give it a shot for sure. I, but I, the reason I ask that question is because – um, with the exception, one of the reasons that Champions was on the back end of my top five is because of the length of the game. And I do prefer, except for one other one that I'm going to do, I do feel like I like the Hoot and Holler games to be like 45 minutes and under. For me, because it's just like, right. if we're just going to have silly fun, let's just have silly fun and just kind of go at it. Um, I think. And that's why that my number one is what it is and my number two is what it is. But we'll talk about that when we get there. I think. Let me, let me say one more thing about Strike. So... The, the really the biggest aspect of it is, is the pusher luck. So you're throwing one die, but you keep doing it if you want to. Like you don't have to keep pushing your luck, but you think there's all those dice in there. Surely if I throw one more, I can get doubles with what's in there. And it doesn't happen. I lose always. this game most of the time because of that. Dean, when he chucks dice, goes risky. Yep. Go Pretty big or much, go home. Yeah, all the time. And he goes home a lot. I do. But I he goes, strike out a lot. He does. Yeah, we've played plenty of games where... I was going to lose, but his, <laughs> his leaning towards risk made him lose the game at the end because he's like, oh, we're just going for it again. But it works out sometimes. Nope, it never does. <laughs> That's my number four. Oh, you almost made me start talking about the Titans and Mike Vrabel and how he mm. just keeps rolling these dice and we keep just losing yep. because he's making some bad calls. He but anyways, would be uh, a great strike player. You and him would enjoy <laughs> playing that game. You just keep going at it. <laughs> All right, so my number three is a game that the newest version I just got. Uh, I'm going to be doing a video for this pretty soon, and that is a Las Vegas Royale. Yep, also on my list, not in my top five. Yeah, it's so in Las Vegas Royale, you're chucking dice, and you're putting them into casinos. There's six different casinos, and whoever has the most dice in that casino at the end of the round gets the most money. And there's two dollar amounts in each casino. The second per second most gets the second most money. But in Las Vegas Royale, it adds the expansions to where uh, three of the casinos you go to might give you another little gambling thing that you can do. Another push your luck thing. You may even you may put um, three pieces of cardboard in your hand, three tokens, and you put them under the table and you pull your hand out and I go, Dean, how many are in my hand? And he says, two. And I go, dang it, because there's two <laughs> and I don't get the reward. But if he says three and I have two in my hand, I get the reward. And so there's a ton of hooting and holler in this game because uh, there's so much push your luck. You're, you're rolling your die and you're going, all right. You can also um, spend uh, one of your chips to take your dice back and not um, and basically re-roll, kind of, and do a re-roll. And so you're thinking, oh man, should I go ahead and spend the chip to to, to ante up and, and really go for that? Because I want to roll that casino. And how many times we'll do it? I did terrible that last time we played. Yeah. Like I couldn't get it. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's try it again. Yep. <sighs> no. <laughs> it definitely it, it's got casino-ish feels, man. And 
This is one of those that I, it's a 20 to 45 minute game, so it's like a 30 minute-ish game, and I just, I have a good time playing this game. Yeah, this this is a lot of fun, especially with those expansion pieces to it. Now, I've played, I've only played that once now, I know we're going to play more before we get to review that one, but but the the uh, the original game is is just okay to me, but with those extra elements, I think it's fantastic. I think so. It's it's it it, it definitely fantastic is, for that style of game. It's Sorry. more strategic. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. You're not just. I mean, like there is there's definitely strategy in this game. Now you could obviously roll exactly what you want all the time and just beat people because of that. But there's tons of strategy um, for where you're placing the dice, and if you want to go to one of the uh, lesser casinos with the least the less dollar amount, because then you may potentially get more. By putting it in those, the expansion parts of the casino, it's cool, man. Yeah. And uh, I I like the look of it too. By the way, the new Las Vegas Royale, I like the the box. I think it's really neat. And uh, they Robinsberger did a good job with this. This is a fun game. Yep, I agree. Rudiger Dorn, by the way. That's right. Your Istanbul fella. That's right. Yep. <laughs> That's all I got. All right, <laughs> my number three is Sheriff of Nottingham. Nottingham. All right, so. Sheriff. And <laughs> Sheriff of Nottingham, Nottingham, you Nottingham. are you are a merchant, and you are trying to bring your bag into the city of Nottingham. And you have one player who is the sheriff, and the sheriff is trying to decide whether or not they think you're trying to sneak contraband into the city. And so, as a merchant, you're gonna you're gonna put cards into a bag. And you're gonna hand it. You're gonna click the button shut. You're gonna hand it to the sheriff and say, "Sheriff, I'm bringing in four cheese cards." Sheriff, I'm bringing. <laughs> and the sheriff then has to decide if you're telling the truth or not. Now you have to put the right amount of cards in there. But then besides that, you can do whatever you want. You can try to sneak in contraband. You can have part, you know, part bread, part, you know, contraband or whatever you want to do. But if you're lying, you're gonna have to pay a penalty to the sheriff. And if you are, if, if he opens your bag, if you, if he doesn't open your bag, then it's you, on in there. Then you can get it through and you get points uh, at the end of the game, basic set collection. But when th- the bags are designed in such a way that you click them shut, right? It's got a button on there. But there is this sound that is just like deafening whenever the sheriff <laughs> opens up your bag and everybody just goes crazy like oh no he didn't and then you want to see what's in the bag and um another game that i'm terrible at because i always want to see what's in the bag <laughs> and so I, I lose a lot of money in this game but it is just oh i love this game so much it's so much fun it's been years since i've played this i wish i could comment on it um i remember thinking it was fun but i just it's been so long so that's my comments on it. It's been too long, man. It is. I haven't played it since it came out. I don't think. When did it come out? Do you have it up there? It. Uh, I did, and then my computer just locked up on me. It came out in 2014. Now yeah. this was, it was a it's remake of a game called Robin Hood, and Robin Hood came out. Uh, I can tell you in just a second. Robin Hood came out in 2011, but then it was remade into Sheriff of Nottingham. I'm posting a picture of you on Twitter right now. Um, with your hands up in the air so that people can know that when we record the podcast, Dean is a hand talker if they're ever Waving them from here to there. Dean's a hand, I'm typing that right now. If Dean's a hand talker if there ever was one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should take a video because the picture might not do it justice. I mean, they're literally waving all over the place. I'm surprised I don't knock my mic over when I talk oh, or well, my coffee. There you go. All right, so my number two, man, we're getting uh, on, on this list, is a game that... You just gotta play. 
and you just gotta hoot and holler, especially when you shoot someone in the face. Oh my goodness, that's very I'm violent. Really violent today. Yeah, that's very violent. A Western Legends. Yep. Also on my longer list. In Western Legends, you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> shoot somebody in the face. Apparently, you can do whatever you. Yeah, you're just you go and you can rob banks, which is so fun. Shoot other people, arrest people if you're the sheriff, and you. So I have played this game with some downers. I ain't gonna lie. I've played this a couple, or at least one time, with a bunch of guys who enjoy, like, were playing it, enjoyed the game, they liked it, but they weren't. They just don't express themselves. They were funny like, daddies, like we do. Funny daddies, and term. it just that's just their personalities. And it wasn't that fun, honestly. I was kind of like, okay, but then I play with people plenty of times who just get into it, have to have their cowboy voices and just holler and shoot each other and, pew, pew, and pew. it is really fun and extremely thematic whenever you do that so this is one of those games where like if you get the right group it is a blast if you get the wrong group it's a mediocre game in my opinion <laughs> but but you know you if you know what the group's like just have a blast with it every time don't play it with people that aren't going to get into it so fun yeah i'm I really agree. surprised this isn't on your list it was it was real close. It would have been top ten for sure. What I was talking about earlier was this one didn't get number one because it's because of length of game. I don't get to play it a whole lot, and sometimes that becomes you know that's why it slid. It may be my most fun potentially than this other game I'm going to have here, but I'm, I'll play the other. I'm going to play the other one just so much more. I know for sure. But anyways, go ahead. Yep, I really love that game. As you know, I, I rated that one a nine. Yeah. But it just doesn't quite fit in these other game categories. In the hoot yeah. and holler. All right, my number two is Wingspan. It's not really. It's not. I just thought it would be funny because owls hooting. And I haven't made that joke in a couple minutes, so I thought I would make it again. Nothing? Nothing. All right. All right. I give you I my, give you nothing. Remember, listen, what's happening in this episode is what happens in movies. Whatever you know, those movies where someone tells a bad joke. I think I've commented on the podcast about this, and they keep making, and it's not funny the first time, mm-hmm. and then they keep making it, and it almost becomes embarrassing. You're like, "Are you kidding me? They just did that again." I'm starting to get embarrassed for That's you. That's my sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I live in that embarrassing zone that you're talking about. Oh. All right. So my number two is a game that was published initially in the 1980s. John, I'm teeing you up. It's survived. Survive. I knew it had to be on this list somewhere. Escape from Atlantis. This game is fantastic. I love it so much. This one actually made my... A couple of these... I mean, like, most of these made my... Three. The top three made my top 50 games. But in Survive, you are starting off in Atlantis, which is slowly chipping away. And so you're trying to get your meeples from Atlantis to the outskirts, the outer islands. And you're going to do that by taking boats hopefully taking boats over to the other (laughs) islands but what's going to happen is on your turn you're also going to be removing tiles from the middle island and you're going to roll a die that will allow you to move a shark the sea monster or the whale in the base game there's also the the uh squid and there's dolphins and in the expansions but but the the hooting and hollering comes when you roll that die and you've got like let's say i'm playing with three other players and there's a boat with all their three players on that boat and i roll the whale die and i've got a whale like two spaces away and you can move it three oh happens, I'm like, there is nothing more satisfying than that moment i roll my eyes and say oh well it's 
such a blast. Actually, I take that back. Right. The thing that's yeah, I'm I'm, I'm ignoring I'm you because I'm sure. I'm in a moment with my arms flailing all about. <laughs> There is one thing more satisfying, I guess, and that's when you have a sea monster next to a boat with three other players. You just take that sucker out. And you just take it out because not only do you knock the boat over, you also eat their characters. And it is just a blast. I love this game so much. It was one that, it's on my short, it it was probably like, it was definitely top 10. If we did a top 10 list, it would definitely be there. Um, It's definitely one of those games where like, if people don't like Cutthroat, they're not gonna like this. Game. Nope, not at all. And I've, I've, I think I've shared this on the podcast. I played with one of my brothers who doesn't like Cutthroat. Spent the entire game crying, just destroying me. Oh, he said, I don't, <laughs> okay. He said, I don't care if I win, because you screwed me up. Because he oh, put yeah. all his high ones on one boat, and I had to put it. I had to attack the his boats. That's what the game. Yeah. And he literally spent the entire game just trying to sabotage me. Yeah. And it, it was like. Dang it, bro. So that other person won. One of the other persons. Yes, one of the other persons. Yeah. For sure. Like, it even, there's, he knew he was going to win. He was just like, you're not going to win. And that's what happens. So, yeah, you just have to know that it's it's just good fun that you're going to be knocking people out of the game. And that's just part of it's it. It's a good game. It's a fun game. I, I played a game one time where a, a guy lost all of his pieces. He put all of his pieces on the same boat every time. And, of course, we kept just taking them out. And... I think he lasted 30 minutes in the game before he lost all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you still keep playing because you're taking out other people, but you can't move any of your... It's definitely not near as fun when all your meeples are gone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Although it can still be fun because you're still messing other people up. So I love it. Survive, Escape from Atlantis. Number two. All right. So my number one, again, I... Sometimes I think I might have put, should have put Western Legends. Oh, Western Legends. But uh, this is a game that pew, pew. came out last year. This is a game that won uh, the Kidder Spiel last year. What is it, Dean? Quacks. Quacks of Quedlinburg. Wow. I knew that would surprise you and you would like this. Yeah, I do like, like that, that pick. Because I, I, first of all, my family loves this game. And I don't own this. I borrowed it from Dean for quite a while one time, I think. I don't know how long I had it. But we played it every night that we had it. And so uh, when Christmas time comes, uh, I'll, I'll definitely get pick up a copy of Quacks. But um, it's... It's just fun. It feels to me, and this is why I think my kids like it, it feels like a video game where you're like upping your stats. And you're, uh, so like, you're because you're getting these, obviously you're drawing these ingredients out of a bag, but you can, you can, you're going to be grabbing new ingredients and putting them into your bag and you're trying to get as far as you can in your pot or whatever. But like you're 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 putting these new things in the bag, these new ingredients, and the ingredients have like special abilities when you pull them out and stuff. So you're just like you're building this bag that's so fun. It, it's fun. It, it, is it is it random? Yes. A lot in of Black these games Sequenberg, are. Black <laughs> That's the whole. That all these games are, except for maybe Western Legends isn't isn't random. Sheriff of Nottingham isn't. And yeah, there, so there's some a couple, but for the most part, is 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 there uh, the best player? Do they win every time in Quacks? No. Yes. <laughs> you win a lot in Quacks, do you? No. I don't win a lot in general, I feel like. Yeah. You I, against you, maybe. No. <laughs> oh. Hey, now that I've got my app, I need to. I wonder if I can look up how many me versus you games. That would be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah I think yeah. it would be about 50%. Probably I think right. We're pretty even. You're probably right. I think, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's interesting that I tend to win the games that Dean likes. And he tends to win the games that I like. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I'm not so smart. Because <laughs> Dean tends to win the slightly heavier Euro games. I tend to win the Hoot and Holler games. <laughs> I just must get lucky. But I don't know, man. I, Quacks is fun. Um, 
Yeah, I like feeling like you're upgrading your bag and putting those in and just pulling them out. And you can't play the game without yelling. And sometimes it's in frustration. Yeah, Many times true. it is. Like, no, no, yep. no. Yeah, usually you're yelling at yourself and not like celebrating what somebody that? else is doing. But that's no, yeah. you don't celebrate it with other people. Right. You're celebrating by yourself. But you, if you get that right one, you're like, yeah, yeah. yeet, yeet. All right, that's that is a good pick. I like that. It wouldn't have made my top ten, although I really enjoy the game because it doesn't feel as hoot and holler as some of your other. Right, ones, right. Yeah. But I, it, for me and the people I've played this with, it it feels very much hoot and holler. Yeah, maybe I'm not the right person for that game. Yeah, but I think you're doing ones where everyone's collectively hoot and hollering a little bit. A lot of times, which yeah. I am too, except yeah. for this one. This is why I I was didn't put it on the top. That was one of the reasons why. But you're you're yelling at yourself. Yep. Yep, that's true. But you're still hooting you're and hollering. Hooting and you're hollering. All right, my number one, you are celebrating others' victories as well. And so it's that a cooperative game? Is not a cooperative game. It's like an anti-cooperative game, and that is Cash and Guns Second Edition. There you go. Where you are literally pointing guns and shooting at people. Not shooting at people. They're foam guns. You're pointing these foam guns at people. That's what you're doing. My 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 uh, top two are very violent games. I am also not a very violent person. In Cash and Guns, you are all competing to get loot from the loot pile in the center of the table, and you're going to do that by taking these foam guns, and you're going to say one, two, three. The Godfather's going to say one, two, three, point, and you're going to point at the people. And then if you have guns that are pointing at you, you have the possibility to lay your gun down. It's, it's taking the coward action. And when you do that, you're out of the round. You can't get any of the loot. If you don't get out, then all the guns fire, and you are either going to have a blank or you're going to have a uh, a bang card and in a click or a bang. So with the click cards, there's nothing that comes out. But if it's a bang, you shoot that person and they're out for the round Ooh. and they take a wound. Okay, and you get eight of those cards. Five are clicks, three are bangs, and so you you're, you're thinking like. Okay, I've seen them play a, a bang card, so the likelihood of them playing a bang card now is not very high, but I also have three guns pointing at me, and there's a lot of thought that goes <laughs> in your mind during that time, but it's, again, push your luck, and so I often don't make it to the end of this game, because if you take three wounds, you're out of the game, yeah. and whoever has the most money at the end of the game wins. I have this group that gets together. You've heard me talk about my guy group that gets together once a year. We play games, we golf, and do all that stuff. We play a lot of cash and guns and it is a blast i love this game this love is it. this is one that i tried to borrow from dean before this uh before <laughs> this podcast because i i really think that i would like cash and guns for hoot and holler and i've just never played it and dean wanted it to be he knew it was number one on his list and didn't want it to show up on my list so he claims i'm doing air quotes that it's packed away and that you can't get to it. <laughs> I've actually played this game so much that several of the cardboard pieces are uh, bent. And, like, I, I actually probably need a new version of this game at some point. But this game's a blast. It is. And when you add in the special powers, like, the game by itself is fun. But special powers, you have different kinds of guns. You have different abilities that you get, you know, for... You know, you have a character that has a more powerful gun that counts as two wounds. So you don't want to get shot by that one. And, oh, this game is so fun. Yeah. So fun. Cash and Guns, Cash baby. and Guns, second edition specifically. And that is it for our top five games. What, did you have any other Did you have any other ones on that list that, that didn't make the top five that you sure, wanted to Sure, I mention? mean, I, I think you've even, on your list were some of them. Um, 
survive was but one that I, I would talk about that was just outside is just because my family loves it so much uh where words deluxe edition the one that was oh which right was up for the spill de jars because that that game works so well it's so easy to to teach people and a lot of people i know that don't really like to lie in games you know like don't like the coups and the resistance because there's a lot of that there's a little piece to that in this mm-hmm. but but not not as much and so i think it's more approachable for some of those type of folks I mean, it's just like twenty questions, and you're, and but someone's potentially a werewolf, and uh, anyways, it, it's uh, I like Werewords Deluxe Edition for what it for what it is. Yeah, I th- I think I'm gonna mention I've got a lot, like I said on this list. Go I won't it. mention all of them, but Cosmic Encounter was was real close to making that list. Rhino Hero was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy uh, Colt Express, Galaxy Trucker, Downfall of Pompeii, Pit, Can't Stop. There's a ton of these games. I just love. Love Can't the style. Stop. I haven't played that in a while. Can't Stop's a lot of fun. Yeah, you, like you definitely Pit, have to... Pit's an underrated game, too. There's a lot of hooting and hollering in that game. I've it's never, probably the I've loud. Played that. It's It's an older, like a really old game. Yeah. And the uh, there's just constant shouting in that game, which some people really don't like. But tell people, John, now that we've completed that list, how they can get in touch with Meepletown. Well, first thing you can do is go to MeepletownGames.com. Oh, hey, yeah, how you can. Doing? Come on down. You, to Meepletown. Like it was... Uh, Price is Right or something like that. <laughs> MeepletownGames.com. You can go to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook and type in Meepletown Games on any of those and check us out. We are, I would say we have a podcast, but I think you probably know that If uh, at this point. I'm missing one before I talk about our, our YouTubes. We're on the YouTubes. Oh, I should have done this myself. This yeah, that's right. I know. I a guess disaster. I'm, I, oh, no, it's a good. It's going great. Uh, we're on the YouTubes if anyone wants to check that out. And we are Board Game Geek Guild 3407. Thanks for joining. You were delayed on that. What? Let's do that again. Okay. Board Game Geek Guild 3407. Seven. Seven, not seven. 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 All right. That's going to do it for our one-year anniversary. Thank you guys for listening. We really, really love this show. And we love doing this. So thank you so much for showing us your support by listening. And thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Town.